she made some sort of reference to Brexit about, you know, um, and, and sort of said to me that, you know, good luck, good luck with Brexit. I can actually remember not wanting to choose a black character and I just don't think I liked the idea of being black because of how I was treated back then. Then he carries on with a few comments like, um, you must have worked really hard. Did you read by candlelight? Like, I know that area, like, is there no electricity? Like, he just, like, he just kept going. Dude, and I feel like if someone spat on me, I'd be throwing hands, man. And I'm putting the pharmacy in lockdown. I'm just kidding, just kidding. Welcome back to the pod. So on this episode, we're going to discuss some BME issues in and around pharmacy. Today is a bit different because I've invited three of my old friends that I met through being an executive member of the BPSA, so the British Pharmaceutical Students Association, back in the days, as well as a good friend and a current colleague of mine, to share the experiences and try to see what we can do as a community to combat this issue. So we have Oz, who is a first year qualified GP slash community pharmacist in the Southeast, Simran, who is a specialist pharmacist at Moorfields Hospital with a community pharmacy background. Aaron, a near four-year qualified community pharmacist who has been involved in ENT, as well as being the community pharmacy PCN lead in Surrey. And finally, Tracy, a provisional registered pharmacist like myself at the Royal Commonwealth Hospital. All right, let's skip to the chase. So recognizing that we're all from a BAME background, have you guys ever had kind of any racial abuse or like comments during your practice? And so... If, if you have, how have you dealt with them? Maybe Oz, you can start us off. Personally, I think, I think the, the, short story, the short answer is like, not really. I don't think everybody experiences racism who is like of a different ethnic background. I mean, I've, I know of people who have, but like personally, there's nothing that I can really think of that has stuck in my mind that this is, what, this is how I was treated. But having said that, this is, I mean, slightly off tangent, but not really off tangent. Um... I realized a few a few years ago um, when I was reflecting on just like my upbringing as a you know from childhood up to where I am now, um, there was actually there was actually a time that I wanted to be white. Um, <laughs> there was actually a time that I wanted to be white, and I didn't know that until I was just thinking about the games I used to play. So there was this game I used to play, some online game, and um, you could customize your character, right? And your character could be white, black, Asian, whatever. And I would choose white every single time. And I, there was actually, I can actually remember not wanting to choose a black character. And I think there are so many levels to that. Like now that I think about it, like, you know, now in my maturity, but back then, which was like 2009 when I was, I don't know, 13, 14, um, I grew up in like a white school and I just don't think I liked the idea of being black because of how I was treated back then. But in my professional life so far, so good. Thanks for sharing that, Oz. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Sometimes when I use the emojis on my phone, I still use the I still choose the white ones. But it's more, I guess, it's more because that my skin's so pale by nature. It's more similar to the white they have on the iPhone compared to the kind of shade of yellow they have. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that, you know, so far in your career that you haven't experienced any kind of racial abuse or comments directed at you. Um, but also, you know, thanks for reminding us that these issues are also present in our personal life. So Aaron. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! What do you recall? So at work, I think I had one 
um, kind of scenario with this. Um, personally, I've had two, but we would not want about that. So one, I had a, I had a kind of Caucasian patient who was kind of didn't want to be served by me because of my colour. Um, and I had a question. I was like, oh, what was your, what's your reasoning? Um, and with me, generally, the way I work is if, even if someone's rude, my fingers just don't go down to level. You just have to be more professional. Um, it could be a number of reasons why you're acting like this, could have had a bad day or all sorts. But um, it's kind of like you just have to be professional. And as long as you know in yourself you're doing your best, um, I don't think it really matters. Um, and that's just their opinion. It doesn't reflect, it doesn't reflect one, for example, their, their own kind of race for everyone. Um, but I've had one occasion. Um, I've kind of even spoken to my colleague about this, if they've had as well. So I had one of my colleagues work in London um, where they've had a couple of customers that wouldn't speak to the pharmacist if they weren't British. Um, and it's it's weird why people, why they act or why they think like that. But I think it comes down to experiences. Um, I know I spoke to you, I told you this beforehand, before the podcast, we started that. Um, I had one of my colleagues who was senior spat on, a senior colleague that was spat on two days ago. Um, no reason whatsoever. I think he was just, he kind of just said, oh, I think the person's back still. And he just said, oh, no, like, don't do it. Like, what's the point of doing it? Um, and, and now, really, kind of, he was kind of shooken, of course. But when he kind of was like a bit more calmer, he was a bit worried now because he's running, oh, what about that person had COVID? Or, um, so he was worried, he was worried whether to get a COVID test or what to do. Um, of course, he had to get the police involved as well. Um, but it's just crazy. Again, it comes back to behaviours of some people. It's just during COVID, especially with the police, we've got all that that's going on, of course. But I think it's it's just another issue as well. But it's kind of like pharmacy. We're still kind of healthcare professionals. We shouldn't have to be. We're not deserve. We should not have to work in these kind of circumstances. Um, but as you said, we're kind of do our job, trying to encourage patient safety, trying to kind of safeguard standards, like uphold high standards as well. But I, th- I think it's just you can't please everyone in the world, unfortunately. You just, I think the main thing it just comes back to you doing your best and you just, just um, not wanting want to cause harm or anything like that. Yeah, I agree, man. I feel like there are definitely times where you think, man, dude, I'm just trying to do my job here. Why are you making it so much more difficult than it has to be? <laughs> and I feel like if someone spat on me, I'd be throwing hands, man. And I'm putting the pharmacy in lockdown. I'm just kidding, just kidding. Um, but yeah, man, that's the first point you made about the patient only wanting to speak to white or British pharmacists. That's really not on because, you know, we're all qualified pharmacists, but I'm about to be, um, which means, you know, regardless of our race and gender, kind of have been deemed competent to practice um so yeah thanks for thanks for sharing that aaron um sim uh, have you had any similar experiences um i think um yeah these are obviously quite important issues um i think i'm very fortunate in that i haven't had many experiences um directly i mean um the only only instance i can recall of anything um in recent times was going further back to the brexit um you know when when brexit was passed at the end of the year um, i remember there was this one um elderly female patient caucasian patient and um it, I, I have a feeling though i can't really speculate that they may have had mental health issues but you know we were she had a prescription we fulfilled that prescription in, in the hospital dispensary and um as they were leaving you know they were clearly trying to be friendly so they, they offered to shake my hand or something similar and as you do obviously pre-covid you're happy to shake people's hands and um, you know wish them well and i did that and it was a very weird interaction because they kind of gripped my hand very tightly and then she made some sort of reference to brexit about you know um, and, and sort of said to me that you know good luck good luck with brexit 
you know, um, almost implying as if there's going to be some direct bearing on my future uh, as a result of Brexit occurring. Yeah, it's very odd. And I just kind of smile, as you do, isn't it? Because even in weird situations, you want to kind of diffuse it. You're not going to really go forward with it in any way. I just said, no, thank you very much. And, um, you know, thank you. And then she went off on her way. And the weirdest part was that she returned, I think, not once, but I think another time after that as well, pretty much wanting to speak to me and say the same thing. And the, the, the second time she arrived, you know, sometimes you just think you have to allow these patients to get their emotions out. It's something that I, I realize a lot in healthcare is that, Sometimes people just need to either vent or they need to speak their, their mind. They don't get that out anywhere else. And unfortunately, part of my job sometimes is to actually allow people to have that. Um, whether you know, that's right or wrong, that's for each of you to, to, to kind of decide. And the second interaction was very, very awkward. And I literally had to pull away. And it's kind of weird in the way that she stared back with that same sort of smiling face. It was very creepy, I'll be honest. But I can't talk, you know. Um, ill of anybody so you know I just I just wish the world and I said thank you very much and that's it but it was very weird that they thought you know the Brexit vote would have meant that I left the country or something that's what that's the implication I was kind of kind of getting and um, yeah it was a very odd experience but I never really you know it wasn't a direct sort of you know not not like a racist remark or anything like that I didn't see it as a racist interaction but you know it wasn't very friendly let's say yeah those comments didn't really sound very friendly at all and I think Actually, those comments are examples of what we call like microaggressions now, where comments and remarks carry prejudiced views against like, I think, culturally marginalized groups of people. And yeah, I've seen a lot of posts on social media about this and, you know, how these comments can really stick with the person receiving them and how it can really kind of negatively impact their mental health and well-being. Sorry, Sim, um, could you actually remind me again if this happened in the hospital pharmacy or was it in the community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, um, I think, late on a weekday evening, probably around six or seven o'clock uh, p.m. in the hospital dispensary. So there were no other patients in a waiting room. But I think these kinds of instances are like it's, it's almost like um, you, you can't define it as a direct racist attack, but it's one of those things. It's like the subtle undertones in society that people have kind of had to experience. You know, not myself necessarily, but plenty of others in the upbringings, and it's, it's these sort of small interactions which ultimately aren't very pleasant. Um, and I, I don't personally think there's much you can do. I mean, you can spend an age there trying to re-educate each and every person. But when you're in an environment where there's no other staff, can you really do that with every single, every single person? It's more of a societal issue. You'd hope that with the newer generations who are much more tolerant and open, you, know, you, you hear a lot about you know the, the kids of the, today that are, are much more engaging and you know understanding. You'd hope that's what will kind of carry through going forwards. Um, I think that's that and re-education over time should help. Yeah, and I agree. And I think like you're right in that, you know, education is such an important part of helping like um, combat this issue. So speaking of which, like Sim, do you follow cricket? Yeah. Yeah, I think you you said you before you did anyway. Um, so yeah, do you remember someone called like Michael Holding? Yes. Yeah, this, yeah, man. So like, I'm sure you know that he's a retired cricket player that had like an emotional speech about his experience of racism in, in this country uh, on Sky Sports. And like basically, you know, after he explained his kind of experience, he steered his answer towards helping this issue um, as, you know, uh, maintaining a better education for everyone else um, and the next generation. And like he kind of thinks that, you know, it's the one of the only solutions that can really help this. Yeah, so don't know, don't know if you have any comments towards um, his speech on Sky Sports. Um, I mean, I saw that online as well, and it was 
it's really sad and is an emotional video um, when he, he's describing his parents and their experience when they when they came. And he, he's, it was it's eye opening to watch this sort of thing. And I mean, it's really sad to say, but I think a lot of the people that if you sh you know the people who need to see that kind of video, they're not necessarily you know where I'm sort of more thinking along the lines of those in America who you saw. I don't know if you saw today in the media people wearing swastika masks in like a shopping center in America somewhere and they're walking around with, with, with these Nazi symbols. If you showed someone like that, this video of a Michael Holding crying, they wouldn't be responsive to that. You know, there's, they don't necessarily have that compassionate side to them. But, you know, going back to the actual video itself, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a touching moment. I think a lot of people need to actually see that, even people who think that, you know, they understand that sort of predicament or dilemma. It's, it's when someone really puts it into reality and shows you what it means to them, it's, it's, it's quite quite an important video to watch i think yeah definitely and like i'll be putting the link of the video in the description of the episode to to get more people watching it really uh if i can find it on twitter or something but no thank you so much for your, for all of you guys's input on this issue um so now we're going to move on to tracy and her story uh, recorded on a separate occasion okay um have you guys experienced any kind of abuse racial comments during your practice and how did you deal with them all right, so I remember this one instance. Yeah, you were there. <laughs> uh, we had just started our pre-reg. I think it was during the first week. Mm -hmm. And we had our supervisor with us, and he was going to do the drug history. And basically, we were supposed to watch him and learn from the experience. Yeah. Pretty standard stuff. So, yeah, we all prepare for it. Uh, we, we lead up to the bay, go, into the patient's, go to the patient's bedside. Supervisor starts his drug history. We're standing at the end of the bed. Yeah. Uh, just to set the scene here, uh, the patient is a Cornish resident and Stephen and I are BME pharmacists or pre-reg pharmacists. So I think I felt that even as we approached the bay, he was looking. Yeah. So then when we start, when the supervisor starts the drug history, he's not really engaging. The patient is not really engaging with it. He keeps looking at us and it's like he just keeps coming out with comments, not really answering any of the supervisor's questions. So I think he started off with me and he was, he asked me like, where are you from? And that's very like, it's one of those, like the way he asked it, I was like, okay, so you don't mean like London, do you? But it's fine. Yeah. So I tell him, yeah, I'm from Uganda. And then he's like, he proceeds to say, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said uh, something like, oh, your skin's beautiful. And then he carries on with a few comments like, um, you must've worked really hard. Did you read by candlelight? Like, I know that area, like, was there no electricity? Like, he just, like, he just kept going and just insinuating, like, I don't know, like, life's, like, my life was so hard and it's like, I made it to this stage and go me, which is just very, yeah, it's like you're focusing on stereotypes and then you're not really seeing me, you're kind of, you're seeing a stereotype is what you're seeing. And so then after, like, during this whole time, the supervisor's trying to, like, bring the patient back towards the drug history. But he's totally not engaging he carries on and then he moves on from me to my colleague Stephen and I don't know if you want to tell what happened yeah so when he moved on to me um he basically kind of asked the same question similar questions like where you're from and where exactly is Hong Kong and I said oh it's part of China but it's not actually in China um so back then anyway um and uh he said, oh, you must have been really good at table tennis. Uh, you must have been really good at badminton. Um, 
and I, you know, we just take it under a stride and we kind of keep working and we just kind of nod, smile and wave and just keep doing our job. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's not something that I think is socially acceptable um, if, you know, you're asking these kind of questions, even if it's just based on curiosity. And I think uh, Tracy has a bit more to add to that. I think it's important to note, like, I understand his questions were coming from a place of curiosity. It's just the way you ask the questions, you have to be very, I think he was lacking a, a sense of self-awareness in the way he was asking them and, like, that he was basically asking about stereotypes and, like, really reinforcing them, like, yeah, yeah, you must be that, yeah, yeah. Like, he wasn't really letting us have a chance to, like, contradict or, like, come in with a different opinion. He was just asking for the sake of, and just satisfying like a curious mind, but in like a really demeaning way. And so I mean, yeah, like for me, like you just, you can't you see the color of my skin and you assume, and you hear where I'm from and you assume, oh, I've had a hard life. Oh, I have, um, I've had to study by candlelight. It's just, oh my God. And then like you, oh, you must be good at table tennis. Or it's, like, it's just like, you're not trying to see us. You're just going through stereotypes. And then you have to be self-aware in the way you're asking these questions. It's okay to be curious, but, if you're asking them in a demeaning manner, it's not, that's not okay. I feel like we handled it really well at the time because considering the fact that he was not being particularly quiet. So the, it's like the entire bay was watching and I feel like even our supervisor was watching. So we just kind of was stood there feeling watched, feeling observed. So it's like, not only do we have to deal with these comments, now we have to deal with like people watching our reaction to these. And I feel like we handled it really well. Like you said before, we carried on. We were very professional. Um, and yeah we just eventually the drug history got completed but it's just i think it's educating the public in the way you make bme staff feel especially with your questions if you think even when you think that it's coming from a good place it's just just re think about what you're about to ask and how you're asking it and the purpose for which you're asking it like are you are you genuinely curious or are you trying to just fulfill a stereotype yeah. and like continue it in your mind yeah yeah I'm going to throw you a curveball, actually. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you've already touched on this briefly, but could you explain and expand on how you think, you know, a patient and maybe the general public should approach these questions regarding your background if they were just genuinely interested um, without making you feel, you know, uncomfortable answering these questions? Um, that's a pretty hard question, to be honest. But I feel like... I mean, just approach it with an open mind, like how you would ask someone anything, Right. It's just when you make it, like, I'm okay being asked where I'm from. It's just sometimes you can tell the reason someone's asking while they're asking the question. Yeah. So it's it's a case of don't come with, like, a loaded, don't come with a stereotype, like, trying to confirm a stereotype. Mm. Like, genuine curiosity is fine. Like, I'll answer it and, like, you know, I'm happy to talk about my country. It's just when you come with all these that preconceived yeah. ideas yeah. And like you just want validation of those ideas yeah. and you're not really willing to hear anything different. Yeah. And then also it's kind of a case of this is not really the right time. Yeah. yeah. Is that how do you feel like this is yeah. the right way to approach it? Yeah, I mean, I think we get asked these kind of questions all the time, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh even when we're let's say when we first started work um in in hospital and we have these like um, little get to know each other, get to know pre-regs, kind of social events. And even when our colleagues kind of ask us, um, we kind of say like, oh, 
we're from here, we grew up from here, and we never get like, we, we don't get that feeling, do we? It's like a gut feeling, isn't it, almost? Mm-hmm. Um, when, when someone asks you what they pre, you can kind of sense it, yeah. right? I like the fact that, you know, you mentioned how the other person should be withholding like an open mind when they're asking these questions, because I think when they do, um, they should allow the opposition a chance to give at least a full answer, make it more of a back and forth conversation um, rather than just getting answers to fulfill their curiosity. Yeah, it's in the case of, yeah, like you said, don't, um, like he was just rabbiting off questions and questions yeah. and it's like he wasn't trying to hear an answer. Yeah. So it's like he just came for, yeah, validating your stereotypes. So that needs to change. And then like the whole that whole situation was just very uncomfortable, I think, for both of us. And then, yeah, like we handled it really well. But yeah, like these these situations when they happen, like when you encounter like um, abuse or racial comments, it makes your job harder than it needs to be. Because like like I said earlier, I think we agree is that it's not just the comment you have to deal with, it's the fact that people are watching your reaction to the comment and then like how you deal with it as well moving forward, which we handled it pretty well. But I guess there are ways that we could have done it better, I think. Like you said before, um, just raising it with uh, superiors and possibly I think even if because at the time we were like timid pre-regis right we had just started out but i feel like now that kind of thing i wouldn't let just let yeah i wouldn't let, let fly yeah. so it just i would just stop stop the conversation and then just kind of address him and just say okay so you're making me feel like this this is how you can you know and then like just have like an actual conduct conductive conversation because what happened was just him talking at us yeah, which is I want to like stress the importance. Like, it's okay to ask questions, yeah. and it's okay to get things wrong sometimes. But you will be corrected, and you'll be told um, if you're going the wrong yeah, way, exactly. and you know, and supported in that. So, like, I want to encourage questions, but I just want to say you need to consider the way you're asking them, because yeah, like if sometimes it can come off very different to how you think it's coming off and it makes our job harder and I feel like it's a very well documented thing in the NHS like of BME um, staff members or like receiving this kind of abuse or outright abuse and outright like racial slurs and comments and stuff because I feel like I I feel like it's even well known amongst um, BME colleagues that when you're coming into the NHS you know that it's going to happen I myself have like a family member who works for the NHS so like coming into this role I was aware like this is a possibility of it happening like it's few and far in between right but when it happens it tends to stick with you it's not something you're going to easily forget and then you like while he'll move on it's like something that just keeps replaying in your mind like oh how could I have done this better like how and then it's just even the fact that it happened to you and then you start scrutinizing yourself for your own reaction and that doesn't yeah so I think to foster like uh, an air of like open communication mm. it would help if like uh, I think general public and patients and maybe sometimes maybe even colleagues were just aware of how they came across mm. yeah and in general like an open sense of like communication yeah I think you hit the nail on the coffin there um, so I think if we were to experience that kind of situation again like you said we probably would say to the patient um, or at least the supervisor that we're not feeling very comfortable in this situation. Mm-hmm. These kind of discussions could encourage more people to kind of raise their voice about yeah. um, this with the general public or at least with the staff. Mm. Um, because 
I think that's one of the only ways we can kind of edu- educate in quotations um, the general public um, because if they never knew that we were struck by these kind of comments, they would never stop because you never told them. Mm. Um, and I think the most important bit when we're talking to patients is just remain professional um, in the way you convey your message. Um, you know, it, it's not we're not trying to get back at them or we're not trying to start an argument or anything like that. It's just the fact that we want to point out um, we don't feel comfortable if they make certain remarks mm. um, and that makes our job more difficult. Yeah. Uh, and so this episode or this podcast is a good place to start this kind of awareness and tell other colleagues of ours that it is okay to kind of raise these concerns as long as we stay professional and the way we do it uh, with colleagues or patients alike. Uh, I also wanted to add that, um, I know maybe some patients won't consider this sometimes, but you'll be dealing with some junior staff members. So like we were really junior at the time, you might be dealing with junior doctor. It's just, you haven't experienced it as much, so you ha- you don't know how to deal with it. So it's just being aware of like, like this is not just a staff member who's here for like your entertainment. Like we are people and you need to consider that and have, yeah, like I said, have some self-awareness about what kind of questions you're asking and how you're asking them. Yeah, and I saw on Instagram, like, there was a post recently by Voltive Voices about, like, questions that the BAME community get asked quite regularly. And in each slide, there's, like, a pro tip to help, like, how uh, other people can uh, approach these questions. Um, And just during uni, like, as well, so I've met, like, a lot of friends that are from, like, BAME background and... Um, the way I tend to approach them uh, is by simply admitting that, you know, because I've not personally been to Africa, um, I'd like to know more about their culture and being careful not to make, you know, any kind of assumptions before giving them a chance to give me like an unfiltered answer. Um, so that's one way I would kind of approach these questions myself. Um, and, it's, you know, I think it's worked pretty well uh, to this day. So, yeah, thank, thanks so much, Tracy, for coming onto the podcast and, you know, sharing your experiences and your thoughts on how we might be able to tackle this issue. Um, so hopefully through more and more exposure of, you know, these kinds of issues, we can help others understand just how to ask certain questions, you know, especially regarding, you know, cultural background and ethnicity in a more you know, unbiased and unprejudiced manner. So yeah, thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to this episode of our pod. And hopefully we'll catch you in the next one. And don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud for any updates. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email me via the prnpodcast at gmail.com with any comments, thoughts, or suggestions for future episodes. That's all for now. But don't forget to tune in anytime, anywhere, when required. See ya!